Before we get started here this morning, we, we all know what Tuesday is, right? There's a number of things that are going around about Tuesday, and I wanted to bring one to your attention. This is from a fellow Rama guy. I'm not just going to say that about it. He graduated from Rama, um, and uh, he's pretty well known. I'm not. He is. <laughs> but um, he's one of the few people I actually asked to get off of his mailing list. That was a couple years ago. And I don't remember what it was. I just know that I don't do that often, but I did. And so I just put it out of my head, and I don't remember what it is. But uh, this was given to me, uh, a prophecy that he gave concerning the election. Now, you already know where I'm going with this, so and I wanted you to know where I was going, because if I read this, at least I don't expect it would happen here. But I think if I read this in some places, some people get pretty excited. I'm hoping no one here does. Now, I don't mind the outcome of this prophecy or where it's going, but I sure don't like the way they got there. And I hope you can see the error in this. Last week, we were talking about listening to God and hearing God and how you had to judge the spirits. You ought to be able to judge this and know right from the bat that though you may like the outcome, maybe you don't like the outcome of the prophecy. You ought to know why it's right or why it's wrong. Because if we are to judge the spirits, we need to know what to judge them by. And whether you're well-known or whether you're not well-known, you still know the Spirit of God. And you know what He judges prophecy by. What do we judge prophecy by? The Word. All right, I'm going to read this to you. God responds to presidential election prayers. The Lord revealed to us last week that the reign of Satan is over in the presidential office of the United States of America. The Holy Ghost had shown this to me on August 22nd, 2012, about 6 p.m., and just reconfirmed it mightily last week. This is a result of a remnant in the church who prayed in faith to our Father God and exercised their spiritual authority in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. But God hath revealed them unto us. This is our 1 Corinthians 2.10. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Deuteronomy 2.21. And He changes, the, this is King James, and He changes the times and the seasons, he removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and wisdom and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with them. He has changed our time and season. It has been a time and season of oppression for the nation, church, and individual. But thank God we have entered into a new season. Praise God for it. The Lord God removes presidents and sets up presidents according to the prayers of the saints. Yes, I understand we also must vote, and I already have. God has made the change. Till thou, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whoever he will, Daniel 4 and verse 25, Daniel 5 and verse 20. But when, he, when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. In Daniel 5, verse 25, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Abharsin. And this is the writing that was written. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Abharsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. Peres, the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Anytime the Lord speaks to me, He always gives scriptures from the Bible that have the spiritual principles in it. The above scriptures are some of the main ones that He revealed to me. There are other things that the Lord said that, can't sh that, that I can't share here. Pray and vote. God has turned it around. The writing has already been written on the wall in the Spirit. Now, if you're listening to that and you're wondering why is that wrong, 
Don't tell me about that afterwards. My belief is that every single one of you persons who's been in this church for any length of time knows exactly why this is wrong and why it should not be coming out and why if you heard it, you shouldn't listen to it. If God in the Bible, that's the, you know, I know there are a whole lot of scriptures that are used in this, but in the Bible, when God has removed kings, how has he removed them? There's all, it's, it's not a whole lot of ways. Basically, there were two. Either they died in battle or they died of sickness. Now, there's a third way where they died by somebody, who, by somebody else's hands. That was not God. If God is going to remove kings, he says they'll either die in battle or they just, they just expire and they die. <laughs> they get sick or something like that. David even mentioned that when he was talking about Saul because they were trying to encourage him to take him out. He just take him out. God's already been, he put you in place. And David said, oh, no, no, no. I don't need to do that. Even if we have a wrong person in the White House, that is not the way to go. We don't take people out. That's God's job. But I want you to see what the, this is about the election. And this is about God saying, I've decided this guy's not going to get voted in. Now, how can God do that? How do people get voted into an office? By people voting. How does God change that? By His Word, can God change your vote? <laughs> You're going to vote for who you want to, aren't you? Now, some of you people submit that to the will of God. Some of you people submit that to certain things in the, in the, in the Word. And there are people who just do because this is what I want to do. Does God stop them from doing that? Did God want Israel to have a king? How did they get one? They voted for it. <laughs> and they got what they voted for, didn't they? Did God pick Saul? Yes. Was Saul the right man? <laughs> he became the wrong man. He, he turned bad, uh, is, is what it was. But I want you to see, because you, you need to judge prophecies. We're getting these time, every time we get elections, there's t uh, tons of prophecies that are out there. And, uh, and, and people, I, I'm disappointed, even though I, I, you know, like I told you, I knew this guy, I knew where he came, I'm still disappointed that anybody coming out of Ramah would write something like this. Because God cannot cause us to vote in a certain direction. If we are to believe this prophecy, then we have to believe that the reason we have this president now is because God decided it and everybody voted for what God wanted. And that is wrong. The Word of God, we were talking about it last week, we are looking at guidance. In the area of guidance, you must test the spirits. How can you test it except by the Word? Just because you hear something in the spirit realm does not mean it is God. Because there are many spirits, the Word tells us. And you need to listen and you need to judge it by the Word of God. I talked about this president coming in before. This president did not surprise me in too many ways. I expected an ungodly man. I expected a man against the church. I expected a man against Israel. I expected a man against our constitution. I expected a man against the people of this country. And I got exactly what I expected. I expected it because I knew where he came from. I expected it because I knew who he studied under. I expected it because I knew who his heroes were. I expected it because I saw what he wrote. I expected it because I saw how he voted. I knew somewhat of the man. Through the four years, the one thing that I did not expect to the degree that has happened, I have never seen in my lifetime a president so given to the spirit of Antichrist. Never. Every single president since I have been, since I can, uh, since I remember back to Bush, first Bush, I have seen the influence of the spirit of Antichrist. Every single one of them. 
I, I just can't speak for Reagan. I wasn't, uh, I was in, get into politics then, but I don't remember it as well. But I don't, I don't even know that he was, uh, if I remember back, I think I saw some things where that was even going on, that it happened. Republican, Democrat, don't matter. They've all been influenced by it. I've never seen one embrace it like this one. And I can go down and list you all kinds of ways where he has embraced this spirit. I did not say he is Antichrist. He is not Antichrist. He is nowhere near Antichrist. He doesn't come close to qualifying for Antichrist. It, it's not going to happen. But I have never seen a president so given to that spirit. And if you have questions on that and you want to find out why I believe that, or I can easily go down the list for you. This has been a tough time for our country. I told people about it before, that this was not the good guy to come on in. Some people even here, around here, around that I knew, kind of uh, chastised me for it. And you may have different opinions about this president, and you may have them any way that you want, and you can go anywhere which way you vote, and I'm not going to ask you about it. You can go out there and do what you want to do. But don't be influenced by prophecies. Don't think that, well, I don't have to go out there and do anything because the Word of God has said that, no, we need to get out there and we need to do some stuff. God does not cause people to vote. He does not do things in, in that way. The man that we have in president right now is not a nice man. He is an evil man. I don't say that because of the color of his skin. I don't say that because of his political affiliation. I don't say that because I wonder where he was born. I don't say that because of who it was that he was raised up under. I don't say that because of where he went to church or what religion I think that he is in. I say it because I see the way that he acts. I follow this. You know how much I follow this. I follow it because I love this country. And because I know what happens in this country affects you folks. And it affects especially people who don't go after God. We have a, at least a way out. God uh, finds a way out even though we have oppressive rulers. But I've never seen someone take the office of president and use the powers of the presidency against its people, against whole states, against the Constitution, against the livelihood of people, against the lives of America. This whole thing in Benghazi is starting to leak out despite everyone's efforts to try and contain it. But I cannot believe that a president in the United States would have done the things that this one has done. If you haven't been, I know the mainstream media is not covering it at all. They're trying to keep it covered up as much as they can. A few places are putting it out there. It is unbelievable how bad. If compared to Watergate, this cover-up is, is so much greater. In Watergate, no one died. But this has been terrible. We have a choice on Tuesday. I'm not going to ask you who you picked. It is my job as your pastor to make sure you're informed as far as how things come from, from the Word and from the church. It is your job to go up from there and, and decide which way you're going to go. But there are going to be a whole lot of people that are going to get prophecies about this. And some of these people are going to get prophecies for a different outcome. And they're going to use scriptures. I surely hope you can see through it. I may like the end result of this prophecy, but I'm not going to tout this as this is being God. This is wrong. And no one should be touting anything like this. The one area where they picked that with uh, Daniel 5 and talking about it being weighed in the balances and found wanting. The only correlation that has to, to our situation is that God didn't pick our man either. And God didn't pick the man in the book of Daniel. But he said, you have come against my people and therefore I have to come against you. And that's why he was found wanting. He was never put in office by God and expected to do anything for God. 
He was in a foreign land. He was as ungodly when he took office as he was when he left. And he left when he died. I just wanted to bring this out to you. I know whenever we get on the political thing, people say, well, I'm this way and I'm that way. I don't care whether you know, you're Democrat or Republican or liberal or conservative or whatever it all might be. A lot of people consider themselves to be liberal, don't really know what the liberals are pushing. They understand a few of the things and they like some of those, those things. And, and so I understand that even if people come up and identify themselves as liberal and I've identified myself as a conservative, I don't say, well, you're, you're no good. Because I know that a lot of people don't necessarily categorize themselves the same way that I've, I've seen those uh, particular things going on. We'll have different labels. We all have different labels. Last four years, people have been looking at labels a whole lot. I was listening to um, uh, Rick Renner. How many of you are on Facebook? The rest of you ought to get on it. I, just, I wish I could require you as a pastor to get on Facebook. <laughs> I just really wish I could because could, we could throw, feed some stuff to you. If you're on Facebook and you have access to Tony Cook's site, to Tony Cook's page, Tony Cook put a thing up on there because uh, Rick Renner was over at Victory Christian Church and they have a woman pastor there because uh, Billy Joe died and his wife took over the church. And she came in and asked him to teach on women in the church. And uh, Rick Renner, he gets up there and he, he starts off and says, this is a gutsy move because she doesn't even know where I stand on this. <laughs> she has been coming in. And he did a wonderful message. It's a little over of an hour long. Uh, I just saw it this morning and I listened to it while I was getting some things ready. And he was talking about how Paul was dealing with the thing as far as women and men and the labels. And to correlate that to what we're going through in our country here now. It was a wonderful job. If you're on Facebook, you can get that for free. Just sit on down there and listen to it. I, there's no way to download it. I tried. I couldn't find a way to download it. But you can just sit there at your computer and listen to it. Oh, Rick Renner is my absolute favorite teacher on the face of the earth at this time. I just thoroughly enjoy him. He's just, uh, I wish I could get more of Rick Renner stuff. But uh, you can go up there on Facebook, Tony Cook's page. Tony was the one. He was in the audience. He heard it, and he posted it up there for people to be able to see it. And uh, you get to actually see Rick teach. How many have ever seen Rick teach? Only heard him. Never seen Rick teach. Boy, you have missed a treat. Oh, you, you've got to see the guy teach. Oh, he's just, his facial expressions, and he captured it in this thing. It's awesome. It's awesome. Get on out there and, and see it. But I don't want you, I, I don't want you, I don't want to avoid political things because I might offend some people. Y'all know I don't care about whether I offend people or not. I care about offending you. But I would rather tell you the truth. And if you get mad at me for it, that's, that's fine. I'm going to tell it to you in love, and I'm going to love you whether you listen to it or not. <laughs> that's not going to impact me any way at all. But I hope that this kind of thing, if you hear it, it doesn't... Sink. You, you, you stand up against it and say, no, no, that's not, that's not right. Because sometimes if we like the outcome, we may accept the, the way... You accept this way, you've eroded your stance against truth or against things that are false. I don't want you doing it. And this is a you know, politically charged atmosphere. People can get all uh, excited and uh, all kinds of things happen in this. So whether you believe, whether you agree with me, that this is, the, in my mind, the worst president, the most evil president we have ever had in my lifetime. I can't speak to the time before. But in my opinion, this is where it is. Your opinion may be different. And I want you to know you can have whatever opinion that you want. And I'm going to smile at you and I'm going to love you. <laughs> I, you, you may think he's the best one and that's all fine. I'm not, I'm not going to be, be messing with that. But you got to know if you're going to put somebody in, where do they stand? We have this, this notion that goes around, well, God's man is going to get in. No, he won't because God didn't pick the man. 
We have not had a candidate that I know of that God has said, you know, that's the guy I want to run. <laughs> How does it get picked? Well, generally, the media, whoever gets through the beating that they put them through, and we've had some good Christian men go through the uh, thing of presidency and been beaten up by the, the media and decided, you know what, I'm going to get out of this. I, we don't have a way to, to pick God's man. We don't have uh, a bunch of spiritual leaders who get together and go before God and fast and pray, and God says, pick these two, let's run these two against each other. They don't happen. We got two people that either the media picks or the people pick through the, the, the process. And then we vote on those. And that's how it is. It's not going to be any better until we get into the new kingdom. When we get into the new kingdom, the new president will not be elected by us. <laughs> he's already been selected and he's going to do a doggone good job. Amen. And I have no idea what color his skin is. <laughs> and I don't care because he is going to be the best on this earth that we have ever seen. And there is nothing that we can set up between now and then that's going to be anywhere near as good as that. So our vision is for the future. And we keep looking ahead. Our kingdom is coming. This isn't it. This isn't it. We are not of this kingdom. We are of another one. Thank God for that. Because if our hope was everything that is here, oh man, it is, it is something else. But I just wanted to read this here to you. I saw that. I says, uh, didn't think of it until this morning. I thought this morning. I says, you know what? I, I, I hope that you can see through this. Oh, I hope you can see through this. And, um, and not fall victim to any of these kind of things. Because there's going to be people who are going to prophesy the other way and they're going to use Scripture and there's going to be people who get to this kind of an in-prophecy in, in a different direction. And uh, just know God does not make people do things. And if God's going to remove somebody, <laughs> He's only done it a couple of ways. I would far, better, far rather that a wrong guy just get unelected than for anything else to be going on. Because if they are not following after God, that gives them more time to repent and get before God. If they are following after God, well, then it won't matter. But, but uh, anyway, that's what we want to go over today. I asked the children's church to come on over because I didn't know uh, how soon we'd get anything ready for them to, to check on out and to, to hear that. But thanks for coming on over if you all want to head on back and, and do your thing over there. We're going to begin over here ourselves into a new area. And before we do that, we have a different type of opening story for you. Are we ready with that? All right. We're ready? Go ahead. It's up here on the screen. Make sure you coordinate with the brand manager and the category manager. And also the clients, uh, the account execs, the project leaders, strategic planning, facilities management, product managers, marketing, and IT. All I heard was, give up. Let's meet again in a year. Make sure you coordinate with That's the it. brand manager and the... I ran across that and I thought, you know what? That could work here for this morning. Do you, you see what the guy's doing? He's giving him all these pointers, all these things he needs to do. And all he's hearing is, give it up. You can't get it done. And, um, and he's just going to go on with that and just kind of quit. And he says, all right, let's meet in a year. <laughs> How many times do we kind of think our relationship with God is this way, where God is speaking these things to us, and it's like, I can't do that. I can't get that done. And God says, all right, we'll, tell you what, we'll check in in a year and see how you're doing. <laughs> no, we've got to be careful with this thing. We've been talking about wisdom over the last couple of months. We're not going to be talking about that today. How many of you were on Facebook this morning? I, mean, I saw one person was. If you were, I put a little synopsis of what we were getting into today, and the rest of you have no idea. But if you were up there on Facebook, you would have checked it out. And I put up there that if you, if you like it, I'll start putting up more of those things and give you like a little, uh, here's what's coming this morning. 
We'll put that out there. But if you all ignore it and don't do anything about it, guess what? It'll go away. I'm not going to mess with it. I have other things I can do in the morning. (laughs) But that's up there if you want to go up there and take a look at it. There's actually been a lot of activity up on there, but um, you have to go up there to see it. But the last couple of weeks we were on wisdom. We looked at uh, praying that most people pray for things to come or for things to go away. But the number one need I have in navigating life here is wisdom. The reason problems are problems is the uncertainty of what to do. Three factors that make a big problem big to us are the uncertainty of action, the fear of acting, and the inadequacy to act. Uncertainty of action, fear of acting, and inadequacy to act. That's what wisdom is to do, is to help get you, get you past that. Too many Christians pray for trials to be removed instead of them to be resolved. We want to see things resolved, not just removed. We went over some verses on wisdom. We're not going to read over those again. But how I got into a problem is not as important as getting out of the problem. After that, you can, you can do something about that. Prepare to deal with the problem. Ask for wisdom. Watch your speech. Don't have speech that's in contrary, that is contrary to what you are believing for in the area of wisdom. Recognize it when it comes and act on it. Afterwards, clean up the mess. To be led by the Holy Spirit, we said last week, involves hearing, perceiving, proving, and yielding. Hearing, perceiving, proving, and yielding. You gotta first off hear what the Spirit has to say. You gotta perceive that it is the Spirit. You gotta prove it. And then yield. He's not going to make you do it. He's going to give you some wisdom, but you've got to make sure that you yield to it. To be effective, we must be mature. You can be led in a direction two ways, or either by God's voice or by your voice. Too many Christians think that their voice is God's voice. And they're not being led in the, in the right way. We're going to be over here, and believe it or not, it is not a misprint. We're actually going to start over here in the book of Job. I have this because this is how life seems to a lot of people. And this is Job talking about his life. This is how he sees his life. And this is how a lot of people see our life. As we are getting into the, the part today, we talked about wisdom in the last couple of ones and wisdom for direction and wisdom for situations and problems. But many times we find ourselves not just needing to know how to do something, but also a way to get it done. Have you ever been in a, in a situation where you know how to do something, but you don't have a way to get it done. All right, I know how to do that, but I don't have this that I need in order to facilitate the way to get that done. So we want to talk about God making a way for us. In Genesis 24, verse 56, And he said to them, Do not hinder me, since the Lord has prepared my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. This is Abraham's servant after he found Rebekah. He was sent to go find a wife. He found Rebecca. Things worked out. And he said, the Lord has pre- has prospered my way. He did what he was to do, but there's a certain aspect of what we do when we follow after what God is saying. There's a certain aspect of God prospering the way that we're on. What do I do about praying for that? Now, here's what Job was looking at. Job chapter 19, verse 1. Job answered and said, he's answering his friends. His friends had just gotten, you know, done slapping around a little bit. How long will you torment my soul and break me in pieces with words? These ten times you've reproached me. 
You are not ashamed that you have wronged me. And if indeed I have erred, my error remains with me. If indeed you exalt yourselves against me and plead my disgrace against me, know then that God has wronged me and has surrounded me with his net. God has wronged me and surrounded me with his net. How many of y'all know if you've got a net around you, your way is complicated? That is not a good way if you have a net all the way around you. Those, you, ever, you ever get caught up in a net? They trip you up. They do all sorts of Nets are not good. We don't want to be in a net. But this is how he is looking at himself. Have you ever felt, be honest, ever felt in life as you're walking on through that God is against you? It just seems like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And I begin to think that I think God's net is all around me catching me up. I think God has, has uh, turned against me. That's what he's saying here. Verse 7. If I cry out concerning wrong, I am not heard. Ever had that one? How many of you have cried out to God because some people have done you wrong and you didn't hear nothing? This is where Job is. If I cry aloud, there is no justice. He has fenced up my way so that I cannot pass and he has set darkness in my paths. Verse 9, He has stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. He breaks me down on every side and I am gone. My hope he has uprooted like a tree. Boy, talking about God, God has uprooted your hope what a viewpoint. He has, God has stripped me of my glory. He has taken the crown from my head. He breaks me down on every side and I am gone. My hope he has uprooted like a tree. Does this man have a complex that God is against him? Uh, yeah. he, has, he has also kindled his wrath against me and he counts me as one of his enemies. <laughs> have you ever had the viewpoint that God counts you as one of his enemies? His troops come together and build up their road against me. They camp all around my tent. What's he saying? My way is not prosperous. My way is blocked. This is not good. Verse 13, He has removed my brothers far from me. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have failed. And may, whoops, and may close friends, my close friends have forgotten me. Those who dwell in my house and my maidservants come, count me as a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I call my servant, but he gives no answer. I beg him with my mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife, and I am repulsive to the children of my own body. Even young children despise me. I arise, and they speak against me. All my close friends are, abhor me, and those whom I have loved have turned against me. My bone clings to my skin and to my flesh, and I have escaped. By the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me. Have pity on me, O you, my friends. For the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does and are not satisfied with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. <laughs> Guess what? They were. <laughs> now, this is not God speaking. This is not God's viewpoint. This is Job's viewpoint. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's God. But this is how he's viewing his life. That's a pretty bad outlook on life, isn't it? <laughs> he goes on, verse 24. That they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at least on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Now, this is really quite a, quite a contrast. He thinks that God's against him down here on earth. But when I get to heaven, he's going to be okay. 
Down here on earth, man, he doesn't like me. He's not helping me. He's working against me. He's putting his net out. He's all this sort of stuff. But once I get to heaven, I'm going to see him. And it'll all be good. After my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me. (laughs) It's amazing that he can have that viewpoint of life, that viewpoint of God, and still look forward to meeting him. Don't you think so? Now, that's Job's opinion. That's not God's opinion. That's not how things were going on during his, uh, his time in there. And we're not here to teach on the book of Job right now. But if we go on to, uh, that's how it, how it uh, seemed to be for Job. Here's how it is in Psalms 18. You can read the whole chapter. But this is a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, and these are the words that he said. Now, the whole chapter is good. I'm going to skip on down here, though, to verse 28. For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. For by you I can run against a troop. What's Job's view? God's troops are against me. But, he, but here, David says, with you on my side, I can go against the troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. How many know this verse? I can run against the troop, I can leap over a wall. I'd say that way is pretty prosperous. If you're leaping over walls and running over troops. As for God, His way is Perfect. So we want to get in His way because His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to most of those who trust in Him. Oh, all? He is a shield to all those who trust in Him? Does that include Job? What does that mean? Job was wrong because you judge the Word by the Word. You judge any prophecy, you judge any opinion by the Word. Even if it's yours. You know, it's really easy to judge other people's opinions by the word. It's harder to judge our own. <laughs> I don't know if you found that, but I sure have. Because every man's way is right in his own eyes. Verse 31. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on my high places. He teaches my hand to make War. Well, this is David's occupation. He teaches my hand to make war. Can you imagine having God teach you how to do something? So that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Now see that the stiffer the bow, if you can bend it, guess what it does to that arrow? Oh man, that arrow is going. See, some people don't use a stiffer bow because they can't bend it. And if you can't bend it, you can't activate the the arrow. The bow won't work on the arrow. But the stiffer the the bow, what they they call that poundage, right? It's a 40-pound... What's the whole philosophy on that? What's the whole... What's the terminology? 40... Just pounds? That's it? No PSIs? Okay. Uh, 40-pound pressure, 50-pound pressure. The higher you go, the more oomph behind the arrow. And the more oomph you got behind the arrow, the more it's going to go in to where it's supposed to go. And so the better you are at this, the stronger you are, you can yield a, a, a better shot. I don't know about you, but I've been up there. 
you know, I'm an amateur as far as this stuff is concerned with, with bow and arrows and stuff like that. I, I tinker with them a little bit. Most of the time I shot one. The reason I don't go after the bigger ones is because I've been hit by the string too many times. <laughs> and you know, the bigger the bow and the stronger the bow, the more it hurts. <laughs> oh, yeah, so uh, there's other people far better at it than, way better than, than I am. I just uh, kind of tinker with it once in a while. But it is fun. But God's going to teach you. He's going to teach you how to bend a bow of bronze. Hmm. I don't know how you do that. But apparently God does. And he's going to teach it to him. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarge my path under me. You enlarge my path under me. Oh, I'll tell you what. The worst thing you can be on is a place where the path narrows. Christian and I were watching a commercial on TV. I think we were the only ones in the room. And they had this, uh, this car driving on this road in some foreign country because certainly nowhere in America would they have a road like this. It was built into the side of a mountain. It was somewhere in South America. I don't remember exactly where. And this car is driving over and it looks like it could go over the edge of the cliff. The rocks are kind of co- are collapsing a little bit as it's getting closer to the edge. I was so interested in it. i got to find out where this road is. And so I found out where the road is. We got more pictures of it. We got all kinds of information. Christian and I were sitting there reading about this road. Man, we want to go. We want to go. we got to check out this road and see what's going on. We found out how many people died on the road, how many people were on bicycles and died on the road, fell over the... Oh, it was, it was terrible. So we thought, oh, we got to go on down there and check this road out. And then we found out that they remade the whole road. And now it's safe. Well, it's safer. So, you know, it's no fun to go anymore. So. <laughs> but we were excited. We were looking at that road. Man, look at that. They let people drive on that? Wow. Because there's some spots where uh, two cars are trying to pass each other. There's not enough room for two cars. And as they're trying to, they're almost rubbing up against each other and kind of just slowly trying to go. Sometimes one car goes over the side. That's a road, man. So if you can have God widen the road, widen the path, oh, it's better. And that's what he's saying. You get into a narrow spot, I'll make it wider. Now, that's not something that you can do, is it? But God can do it. And that's what I basically did with that road. They just made uh, some of those parts wider. Helps out. Where do we leave off at? 36. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. I have pursued my enemies. Oh, it's, isn't it neat when you pursue your enemies and you get them? I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet, for you have armed me with the strength for the battle, and you have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I, so that I destroyed those who hate me. They cried out, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt in the streets. You have delivered me from the strivings of the people. You have made me the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. And as soon as they hear of me, they obey me. The foreigners submit to me. The foreigners fade away. And some frightened from their hideouts. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is the God, it is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. It is God who avenges me and subdues people under me. He delivers me from all, from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. 
You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. That's a different viewpoint than Job had. That's a whole lot better to have view life that way than the view life the other way, isn't it? But he sees God's hand as helping him, God's hand as strengthening his way, God's hand as widening the path, God's hand as giving him what he needs so that on the path of where he is, he's successful. This goes beyond wisdom. This goes beyond asking for things that you need. This goes into a place of asking for God to do things on your behalf that you cannot do, but he can. And apparently, he'll do it. David gave a whole list of here uh, of things that God did for him, things that David could not do for himself, but God did it for him. Glory to God. Now, let's take a look at this in a practical situation in Genesis chapter 30, and verse 25. We're going to see how it was here for, for a certain man of God. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that, ja- <clears throat> that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go. For you know my service which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, Please stay if I have found favor in your eyes for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. How does he get blessed? Well, he got blessed because his livestock was staying alive. He wasn't having as much uh, of a dying off. They were uh, giving birth a lot. So his, his uh, livestock was growing. And this is their, their livelihood. So the, the more livestock they have and the healthier they are, then the richer he is. And those are things that you can't necessarily control on your own. You can do some things to help, you know, the, the things get, uh, have more babies and them keep alive. But there's some things that you just need help from God on. And they got it. And he saw, as long as you're here, God's working on my behalf. He's doing some things for me. And so, uh, please stay. He wants him to stay. And he says in verse 38, 28, then he said, name me your wages and I will give it. Oh, isn't that nice? Would you, how many of y'all want to hear that? <laughs> you want to hear somebody come over and say, look, you just tell me how much it's going to take for you to come work for us and it's done. <laughs> happens in the TV a lot. You know, watching a TV show and somebody comes up, you just tell me what you want and I'll, I'll do it. But, um, how many, anybody here? Anybody ever had anybody say, you just tell me what you, how much you want? Yeah, I haven't seen that yet either. But this is what the, he's saying to him. Name me your wages and I'll give it to you. Hmm, That's, that sounds like prosperity there. So Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you, how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little and it has increased to a great amount. And the Lord has blessed you since my coming. Well, he's not saying he blessed you because of me, though he probably could say that, and Laban is saying that. But he's saying, this is how it was before I got here. This is how it is now. God has blessed you in the time that I have been here. And there's no denying that. And now, when shall I also provide for my own house? So he says, I'm doing all this, and the blessing's coming to you, but I'm not getting the blessing. I want to go out on my own and let the blessing of God come to me. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you're working for somebody else and the blessing of God is coming to them. How many of y'all want to get out on your own let the blessing of God come to you? That's what he's saying. I want to get out on my own. 
I've seen how this thing has been working for you, but you're getting the benefit of it. I want to get out there on my own and watch God bless me. Watch Him bless my flocks and them grow. And so that's what he wants. So he said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. Oh, that sounds real good. <laughs> Man, you're going to stay here and do this and not ask for anything? If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So anything that's spotted, spotted, speckled, you know, small spots, big spots, whatever it is, he says they're, they're all going to be mine. So my righteousness, so my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not spotted and speckled among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen. It is with me. So he's going on this thing. If they're spotted and speckled, they're going to give off spotted and speckled offspring. If they're brown sheep, then they're going to give off more brown sheep. The white sheep won't give off white uh, brown sheep. This is, what, this is what he's going by. And we're going to take them and separate them all. You can go through here and separate them. But this way, this is mine and this is yours. And then God can bless mine and he can do what he wants with yours. That's <laughs> what he's basically saying. But he said, I don't want you to think I'm having a hand in it because we're going to separate it. And so this stuff is mine and God can do whatever he wants to with my stuff over here. And this is yours and God can do whatever he wants to with your stuff over here. But this way, I can still work for you, and God can bless me, apart from you. That's what he's trying to set up. And Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. So we removed that day the male goats that were spotted and uh, speckled and spotted, and all the female goats that were spotted, speckled and spotted, and everyone that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and the Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. So Laban is the guy who went through the flocks and separated them. And, and Jacob's okay with this. He said, you do that, you do that, because that way you know it's done. And then there's three days' journey between them. Now, how would you like to have two jobs three days apart? <laughs> but that's what uh, he's agreed to do here. We're going to keep them three days apart so you don't be thinking we're sneaking them in. So that's why they're doing it. They don't trust each other. So that's why they're doing it all this way. Verse 37. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and the almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which, which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink so that they should, con they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods and the flocks brought forth streaks speckled and spotted. Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown and flock and the flock of Laban. And he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass whenever the, the stronger livestock can see that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters that they might conceive among the gods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the strong, stronger were Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants and camels and donkeys. So we had spotted, spotted and speckled goats are rare in this time, in this, in this place. So he was actually picking a, a, a type of goat and, and uh, such that there, there weren't that many of them to begin with. This is why Laban jumped at it. We had the time where there changes the wages. We hear later on, you know, that, all right, it was supposed to be this. It was supposed to be spotted. It was supposed to be then striped or all the different stuff that they had said. Uh, but he kept changing the wages. 
According to him, he said he changed them seven times, including the times he changed them with his wives. But then he has this plan in here, and we've talked about this in some years before, where he's going to take these uh, reeds and these uh, things and, and put them in front and make them look at basically spotted and speckled things or brown things. And if they look at stuff like that, then they'll give birth to brown or they'll give birth to spotted and they'll give their birth to speckled. Such great wisdom. Now, nowhere does God tell him to do this. God never says, this is how you're going to do it. I want you to take these things. Now, I've heard lots of people preach things about vision on this. Oh, you've got to have vision. If you put the right vision in front of the sheep, they're going to give forth the, the thing that you want. There's a thing called genes. It really doesn't have anything to do with the vision that you see. It's how the genes mix together, and that's really how they, they come about. We know all that now, but he is very diligent. He is thoroughly convinced that if he puts the right things in front of these creatures, that when they conceive and they give birth, that they are going to give birth to the right ones. And so he picks the ones that are stronger, and he says, all right, I want these ones, so they're the stronger ones, so we'll let them, we'll put this in front of them so that they're giving to spotted and speckled. They're weak one now. We want Laban to have them. We're not going to put this stuff in front of them. I don't want them. And he's thoroughly convinced that this is what's, what's happening. Chapter 31. Verse 1, now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's and from what was our father's, he has acquired all his all this wealth. Now Jacob is looking at it this way. This plan I got is working great. God is looking at it this way. I'm blessing you. He's blessing him. He's doing things in the path to make the way prosperous that he cannot do. There are things that need to happen for you in your business, in your job, in your household, that you cannot do. But God can do it. And we can ask for some of those things. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed, it was not favorable toward him as before. How many of you all know, you can look at somebody and say, they don't like me. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So the Lord is now saying, now return, go. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance that is not favorable toward me as before, but the God of your, of my father has been with me. And you know, with all my might, I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my waves ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. Now, this is said by the guy who thinks that his plan of the reeds and such is actually having an effect on him, and he's doing it in such a way as to stack the deck against his boss. Right? <laughs> but that's not, that's not a problem. See, they're both deceivers. They're both people who try to wield things to get their way. Well, in verse 8, If he said, Thus the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said, Thus the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given it to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled, and gray spotted. And the angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, gray, spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now rise, get out of the land and return to the land of your family. What is he saying in this? God sends him a dream. He says, in the dream, here's all the male rams and they're spotted, streaked or speckled. What he's basically saying is, all that stuff you did with the reeds <laughs> is stupid. The reason that they gave forth and they bore 
spotted, speckled, or such is because I had the rams that were needed come on in and they supplied the genes so that what was born was spotted, speckled, or streaked. Had nothing to do with what you did. But he was diligent all those years to, to do it. So Jacob has a dream. The dream tells him basically this. Jacob, Jacob's efforts were for nothing. Too often our efforts are for nothing. We just got to find out what the way is that God wants to, to do for us. Just because there is, get this down, just because there is success doesn't mean your methods brought it. <laughs> just because, too many times Christians are saying, well, you know, it worked. It worked. Well, just because it worked doesn't mean that it was right. This is what he's telling them here. These thing with the reeds. That's not what did it. It was the rams. The rams were the fault. I mean, it makes sense. But he's over there with the reeds. Messing with them. We're messing with stuff that has no effect on, on things. And God let them go all those years messing with the reeds. I'm sure they're having fun up in heaven. There he is with the reeds again. He thinks this is working. <laughs> he's having fun. But he shows him in a dream. He's actually got the videotape rolling. And he shows him in the dream. That, that's, what's, that's really what happened over here. Jacob's wealth did not come to him through scheming. It came to him in spite of it. People got to understand, just because you tried something and it worked doesn't mean it was right. Sometimes people, you know, you try and educate them on how they should pray and you show them, here's what the Word says how to pray. This is what Jesus showed us. This is what people did in the Word. Yeah, but I did it this way and it worked. How many times you run into those people, you know, they got the certain saints they pray to for protection or certain things like that. And, you know, they can pray 50 times and it not work, but they pray one, one, 51 times and it work. Oh, it does work. <sighs> I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> it's, it's, you can't judge things by success. You've got to judge things by what the Word of God says. What does the Word of God tell you to do? There's a... I get amazed every time... But, you know, in the Rhema circles, again, we get some of these people. And when I was down there at Rhema, they would bring in these certain people, and just a handful, just a couple of them. And they would get in, get in off this stuff, never sat right with me. Never did. Still doesn't to this day. But I was listening to one of the guys. He's one of the better-known Rhema grads. He's got a big church. And he was uh, listening to one of his podcasts as long as I could. I couldn't listen to it anymore. But he was, he was getting on there, and he was, he was talking about how he, uh, he was raising a home, and his mom would always plead the blood. If you like to plead the blood, disconnect your ears now because I'm going to pretty much tear that apart. And he was talking about, you know, plead the blood, plead the blood for this, plead the blood for that. And he was telling her, you know, because he just came out of Raymond. Raymond told him that's not the, exactly what's going on. And so um, he would go home try and tell his mom, Mom, we don't plead the blood. There's nothing in the Word of God about that. Well, I don't know about any of that. I don't know about what the Word of God says about all that sort of stuff. But what I know is you're alive because I was pleading the blood over you. See, I'm going to judge by success. I'm not going to judge by the Word. That's wrong. You can't do it. You'll never hear me plead the blood over anything. There's, it, the power is in the name. What's the blood of Jesus Christ for? It's a sacrifice for sins. It's a sacrifice for sins. People misunderstand what's going on with the, with the, 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 the whole, whole thing. We were having a discussion on a Wednesday night. And I was uh, going to put something up on Facebook, but I thought nobody would get up there and say anything about it. So I didn't. <laughs> Good. You guys got to give me some place to touch base with you here. 
But uh, we had a discussion on, on, on uh, Sundays because I've made a statement years ago and I've never, never fallen off from it. We have always held to this here at this church. I said, as long as I am the pastor here at this church, we will never have a foot washing ceremony. Anybody remember me saying that? And have we ever had a foot washing ceremony? Never have. Never will. As long as I'm pastor. If you want to have a foot washing ceremony, you have to get rid of me first. Because <laughs> you won't have one as long as I'm here. Now, you can, you can tell me about foot washing services that you've been into and how blessed you were and how it dealt with your pride and how it made you humble and it did all these wonderful things. We will still never have one here. They're ungodly, unscriptural, and they take away from what God was trying to teach. How many of you have no idea why that is? All right, everybody's on board with that? Everybody knows why? We don't have to get into it. I was going to ask you if any of you had, had questions on it because we would go back through and touch it on it again. But uh, if that's good enough for you, then we'll let it go. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I was going to put up on Facebook. If any of you have some uh, questions on that, we can go back through and I'll teach you why that if you get in partake of a foot washing ceremony, you have, you have uh, dishonored the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying if you did it in the past in ignorance. I'm talking about from here on out. Once you're not ignorant anymore and you're going out there and do it, you have dishonored the Word of God. Word of God. And you have put one of the strongest doctrines in the Word of God out the pasture. That's why I won't do it. I am strong. I will walk out of a foot washing ceremony. That's how strong I am on this thing. And there's a reason for it. And if you wonder about it on the way out, you can tell me. Since you won't go up on Facebook or anything like that. But, <laughs> but I don't mind getting into it. I'd rather you know. Because what you, we, people have taught on that passage where Jesus watched the feet of the disciples. And we have missed what he taught them. Because we've taken something else out of there because we think we got some success out of that. Sure, it is good to have the teaching of humility and, and not being proud. But that's not where you get it from. And because you got that from there, you lost what he was teaching. What he was teaching is lost in a lot of churches today. And they're showing signs of it. And you need to know what that is. But if you want to know that, you tell me on the way out and we'll, we'll take some Sunday. And we'll get into it. I'm not just going to throw it out to you. Real quick. I'm going to take time. I'm going to go through the Word of God. I want you to, to know it. This is not just something that I came up with. This is in the Word of God. It is undeniable. When I, if I take time, we're going through. I'll show you. It is undeniable. We are not, as a church, to have foot washing ceremonies. And I don't have them. You may not be as strong on that. I am really strong on it. It's one of those things that gets my blood going. I almost start boiling on the inside. Because you, it, what you are taking away from what Jesus taught, he did that on one night. The last night he had to spend with his disciples. And he knew it was his last night. If it is your last night to spend with your 12 disciples that you've been put into, what things are you going to put into them? Things that are mediocre? Things that are of somewhat important? Or things that are of the utmost importance? And we have taken those things that are of the utmost importance and we have lessened them to a level that is not what he was teaching. That's why I get upset. That's why I said very unequivocally, we will never have a foot washing ceremony here. If you don't like foot washing ceremonies, you're in a safe place. <laughs> anyway, you can ask me about that. We'll go through the scripture if you want to. And uh, you, then you can go from there. If you want to believe something else, then you go right on ahead and be wrong. <clears throat> I don't just say it because it's my thought. I'm telling you because Jesus taught it. Jesus is the one who taught it. We've, we've, we've missed, totally missed what Jesus taught in that passage. Oh, I'll tell you what. I've forgotten how. We, haven't, we just don't teach on them. I think once or twice we've been on that. Not much. Anyway, let's get back onto this. We're at verse 13. So he says, get out of this land and get over to your family. 
His efforts were for nothing. Don't judge anything that you do by its success. Judge it by the Word of God. You may have success in doing something and you did it wrong. But God says you didn't know what you were doing. You were ignorant. But now that you're not ignorant, you're not going to have the same kind of success. Jacob was ignorant by the thing with the reeds. He thought he was actually doing some good. But now God is telling him, it's not your efforts. And I put this in your outline. Being religious has as much to do with your spirituality as Jacob's pole peeling had with his prosperity. Being religious has as much to do with your spirituality as Jacob's pole peeling had to do with his prosperity. Had nothing to do with it. God had everything to do with his prosperity. You got Pharisees that are highly religious. How spiritual were they? There's no correlation there. Now, we could um, spend time and get into the rest of the, the, the scriptures that are there. But uh, actually, I did want to get into a few more verses. I don't think I... I didn't copy them over. Go over to verse 14. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Verse 15. Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and has also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. So what he's saying here is, what they're saying is, the whole house is supposed to be ours. There's no kids. There's no sons there. So it was supposed to all be ours. And he's keeping it for himself. He's not going to give us any. So what is going on is perfectly fine with us. And we're okay with it. And let's hit the road and let's go. Let's go with what we got. I put this in your outline for you. When praying about our way, as in other things, there is a God side and there is a man side. I put that in quotes because that comes directly from Brother Hagen. And also Doug Jones has used it a lot in his stuff. There is a God side. And there is a man side. I've got to understand what the God side is. And I've got to understand what the man side is. Because I can't do the God side. And God won't do the man side. So we really understand, need to understand in everything that we're doing, in prayer or anything we're taking on for God, what is God's side and what is my side. We cannot pray to... We, we cannot pray to... I've got an extra word in there. We cannot pray for God to do our part but we can pray and open the door for God to do what he said he would do on our behalf. I'm going to say that again. We cannot pray for God to do our part, but we can pray and open the door for God to do what he said he would do on our behalf. Too many times Christians don't know and they ask God to do what they're supposed to do. And they don't ask God to do what he said he would do on their behalf. So I put this in at the end. In order for that to happen, I have to know what he said. You got to know what God said. You don't, you don't need to know what worked for Aunt Bessie, Uncle Joe. You need to know what did God say to do. Because you cannot judge a way based on its success. You judge a way by the word of God. Is this the way that God, should, that God said to go? The word of God says, this is the way, walk ye in it. I got to walk in it. This is the way, but I got to walk in it. God will make a way. He will make a way where there isn't a way. When Israel came to a Red Sea and they had the army coming down on them and mountains, was there a way? Was there anything that they could do? 
What happens if a million, two million people got buckets? And everybody dipped. What would happen? <laughs> Nothing. There'd still be a Red Sea in front of them. They, there's not a man's side on that to do. They did the man's side, which was to get up to there. Now they need the God's side to come in. And what does God say about it? Stand back and see what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something really special here. This is going to be good. This, this is my part. This is the part that I do. Because we can't separate waters like that. We can't dry up the ground so we can all walk on through. We can't crash them back down on an army. We get out into the wilderness. And there's, we need to get across. We need to have food. What's the, how, do, how, how do we get that done? I, I know what to do. Eat. <laughs> but there's, there's nothing here to do with that with. I need a way to get to the, to the stuff. And so God says, I got a way. Hold on a minute. Watch this. And bread comes down from heaven. That's the God side. We can't do that. We can't pull water from rocks. We can't have angels going around and get an army in confusion so they all start killing each other. That's not our side. That's God's side. When Gideon comes up with his 200 men and they got the massive Midian army down below and he says, do your part. What's your, what's your part? Well, you got to you know, crash the vase, bang the drums, blow the trumpets. No swords? So they did their part. What does God do? His part. He starts messing with them in there. Now they'll start killing each other and running off. And God has a way. There's a God side to these things. But what you got to do is listen to God. God, what is your side? What is the thing that I need to do here? And God is going to say, this is your part. That's all you want me to do? That's all I want you to do, but I want you to do all of it. You do this, 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 and this. Okay, I'll do that. And then God says, I'll come in and I'll, I'll, do, I'll do my part. And God will do his part. Glory to God. God will help you out. There's a part that you've got to do. And there's a part that God has to do. I told you some of the stories when I started learning about how God can prosper your way and how God can do some things and, and that. It's all gone. I'll tell you what. We nearly wore ourselves out. Over there at Pizza Restaurant, learning this stuff from Rama In the first couple of months, learning this stuff. And said, all right, we're just going to pray. I was the only one doing it. I was the only Christian in the whole place. But I said, Father God, I thank you that you're going to bless this place because of me. And we got hit so hard. I remember the, the first time I had seen that, it was a Thursday night. We were set up for a Thursday night bit of business. In the pizza industry, Friday is your busiest night. Saturday is your second busiest night. Sunday is your third busiest night. Friday, uh, Thursday is your fourth busiest night. Fourth busiest night of the night of the week is Thursday. So we have a fourth busiest night of the week staff. And we got hit harder than we did on a Friday. People came out of all over the place to, to come and eat pizza. At our place. And, uh, and glory to God, we got lots of work out of that. But after a while, I said, you know what? I'm going to kind of cut back on some of this because we're working a little too much. So I'm getting home 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go to school. I'm a little bit tired. I think, uh, you know, and then I was with Jacob on this one. They're getting blessed. I'm just getting paid, you know, the $6 an hour or whatever it was I'm getting paid. <laughs> They're getting blessed. And so I backed off on that a little bit and we just kind of cut the, the whole thing down on that and, and, uh, and, and God God prospered it. But uh, just because you learn it one time doesn't mean you're going to learn it all the time. I went to work for Kelsner's Horse Fetish and was, uh, they put me into a sales job. And so I was doing stuff in the area of sales and I worked for a year and I didn't know that their opinion was that, Steve, you're doing okay, but you're not doing that great. And I was. I mean, the sales were okay, but they weren't doing all that great. 
They were, I was holding their own. They were, they were steadily climbing up, but it wasn't doing a lot. But I wasn't doing my side. I was just going in there and selling the stuff and, and coming out. And after a year, they ran into a crisis. And the guys who were doing the shore area said that they were, they didn't treat them well and they were in danger of losing all their shore accounts. And they said, Steve, we need somebody experienced. They didn't, they didn't really want me to do it because I hadn't shown all that much stuff in the area of sales for them. But they said, we, we know you'll be consistent. If you're just going down there, you don't have to sell a whole lot. Just going down there and just, you know, take care of everybody for a year and then we'll see what we'll do with it after that. And so I went on down there and I took care of it for a year. The thing was, I fell in love with the route. I didn't fall in love with the other routes. I fell in love with this route. And I just started selling stuff and doing stuff. And, and, I, and the sales started to increase. And I still just, it was just a two-day-a-week route. I was just down there for, for two days. And I worked on that for a couple of years. And then finally, you know, I, I left and, uh, and went down to Tulsa for a year. And I gave it back to them. And they took two people in a truck. And it took them five days to do what I did in two. I had built it up that much. took two people five days and they were not getting done everything. They weren't taking care of the people the way that I was taking care of them. And the, the, the expenses were much higher. And so after a year, I came back. And uh, they said, would you take the job back? We would love you. And they said, if you take it back, have some more days. So they said, go from a two-day, go to take four days. So they gave me four days to work down there. And I increased it again. But I changed my mindset. So I went down there and I learned some things in sales. I learned some things I hadn't learned before. I learned the man side. I learned what I was supposed to do. And then I went out and I, and I tapped into the God side. I said, Father God, I thank you that every place that I go into, they're going to want horse fetish. They're going to want cocktail sauce. And so I would walk into the places and, um, and I, 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 I changed the man side. I was far changed from what I was before. And I wouldn't take no. I didn't take no. It took me, from the time I came back from Tulsa and took that out, it took me two years of doing that job and expanding the route. And I expanded the route. I filled up the four days as full as they were the two days before. Setting sales records and, and things and doing stuff. And now what was just a bread and butter, it was just a, not a bread and butter, but just a, kind of a boost route, was now their main route of the, of the whole place. This is where most of their money came from, was this one route that I did. And I went on in, I would go in and I would talk to people and they'd say no. And I'd find another way to come in. And I talked to him about that. One guy told me no seven times in the same day. Seven times in the same day. I drove away one time. I think after the six, the six no, I drove away and then came back. I found something else. How about this? And he said no. But I found something else. He was on Long, he was on Long Beach Island. He was one of the main rows down there, the, the first area they get to, Long Island. He finally said yes after the seventh no. He finally said yes, and he turned out to be the second largest account on the island. Second largest account on the island. They had a one, one account that was already our largest account in the, in the whole company. They were the largest, and I made them bigger. And I wanted to make them bigger yet. And they told me, do not dare go in there and sell this to them. Because they knew if I went in there, I would sell it to them. And they say, we are not allowing you to go in there and sell that to them because we do not have the capacity to keep up with them or what you could sell. And they told me, gave me strict orders. You do not go in there. If they ask you about it, you say no. That's what they told me. They were real strong about it too. And so finally, as I was getting ready to give up this route for the second time, they finally said, we have finally increased our area in that, in that spot. Go on in and sell it to them. And I had them as soon as I went in. 
walked in, sold it to them, and they finally said, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to go ahead and do this. They now, for that one account, just go in and take the order. The driver only takes the order. They load up an entire truck and send the truck down to him by themselves. That's how big it is now. Now, what was really funny was when they first gave this to me, they said the route, these are the words they used, the route is saturated. It won't grow anymore. I doubled it, and I doubled it again. And it has now since grown even more. Why? Because I learned about the God side. I learned that there's a man side, but I learned that there's a God side. And before I would go into these places, I would, I would be praying, asking for God's blessing, for God's hand. And God would show me things to do on my side, and I would do them. I could tell you stories all day long about the things that God showed me to do, how I did it, and what it turned out to be. Oh, it was phenomenal. And God will help you out with that. And, and the business was great. Things were going on. Things were happening. There's a God side to it. There's a man side to it. But there's a way that you can pray for God to do his. You can pray, God, this is your side. Will you step in right here and cause this to happen and, and bring this about? Understand the God side is not to make people say yes or no. I never could pray, make them say yes to what I'm selling. What I said was, help me to find what they need so I can sell it to them. That's what I would pray. So you have to make sure you've you got to know what God can do. And that's what I, I just keep praying. Show me what they need so that I know what to sell them. And sometimes they would tell me, this one guy, this, in fact, this one account, once we got in there, he started throwing all kinds of stuff my way. He said, hey, how about spices? Do you guys do spices? Man, we don't do spices at all. So I went back to the boss and talked to him. And he says, no, we don't do spices. I said, well, I can sell spices down here. Sure enough, we got into spices for my route only. No one else was allowed to sell spices, but I sold spices. And we brought in spices just for them. Just for them. And we started to sell it to other people. And now we got a whole new line that we're dealing with. We had to get bigger trucks. It was, but it's, it's, that's what God will do. God has a way to do it. But there's a God side and there's a man side. Now you do... The man side. The man side is wisdom, what we were talking about the last couple of weeks. That's for God to tell you what to do. But then there's the God side. All right, God, I'm going to do what I'm going to do over here, but you need to do this part over here. I need you to go in there behind the scenes and work on this and get this thing done. And God will do it. If you know how God operates, what God is open to be able to do, and you keep your prayers within that line, that's why I said you've got to know. You've got to know what he said. If you're going to call God to do what he said, you've got to know what he said to do. So that means you've got to study the Word. You've got to get into the Word and study it and find out what does God say that I can pray for? What does God say that I can ask Him to do? Because you can ask for God to work on your behalf. Glory to God. You can ask for God to work on your behalf. Have us some examples on how to do that. How many of you work with people? How many have some problem people that you work with? You cannot pray for God to walk in on those people's lives and change them. <laughs> if, if that were the case, God would just change the whole world. You know, just change the whole, whole group of them. We all be fixed up. You can't do that. But what you can do is say, Father God, I pray right now, help me to build a relationship with this person so I can find out what's troubling them, what their problem is, that they become open to share with me. That's one thing that you can pray. You can mean to, to, to find out, to reach out and help those people. God will tell you some stuff. He'll open up some things and all of a sudden you're going to be dealing with people, helping people. 
there was one uh, when I first took over a youth group. They had all kinds of. They had a lot of problem kids. We uh, fixed up some of them. Some of them just decided to leave. But there was one boy. I think I told you a story about him before. His name was Robbie. Left. Uh, he left such an impression on me. He was one of the most uh, obnoxious young people in a youth group that you could possibly have. Everything bad he could do, he did. Every rule he could break, he broke. He was not trustworthy. He didn't want to be there. His mom made him be there. His mom would drop him off and his mom would pick him up. And he had no intention to be there. He made it known. And so um, I need to pray. I can't say God changed him. But what I can pray? How do we get in here? How do we fix this guy? How do we help this guy out? And so God began to show me. He gave me a plan. God actually gave me a way. He gave me a plan on what to do. And I began to look for these things. And uh, one of the times that he was, he was there, he was just, you know, if he went outside, he's outside going to smoke. He's a, teen, a young teenager. He'd go outside to smoke. He had cigarettes. He'd go out, and we had to go out there and get them because you can't be out there smoking on church property. You can't, you know, have kids walking on outside the door. We're having all kinds of problems with that. So um, one of the times he was, uh, he was acting up. He was being rambunctious and doing something, but some chairs were in his way. And so he moved the chair. We set up chairs for the youth group and he moved the chairs so they weren't in his way anymore. And I seized the opportunity. God gave me the wisdom. It wasn't my wisdom of mine. It was God's wisdom. I seized on the opportunity. I said, Robbie, thank you so much for helping me set these chairs back up again. You know, most people leave these chairs for me here to do these all by myself. But look at that. You saw they needed to be put away and you started doing it. I really appreciate you doing that. So he picked up a few more. And we found a few more things like that. And we were able to encourage. Instead of yelling at him all the time, we were able to encourage. He never got encouragement at home. He didn't have a dad at home. And mom just yelled at him. No encouragement at home at all. So we found a way to get encouragement. So now he looked for things to do because he knew that someone was going to encourage him. And I remember the night. I remember like it was yesterday. He came to me. There was something out in the car of a friend. I think either a friend brought him that night or something. He had to get out to this car. And, um, and get something out of the car. Well, generally, if Robbie is leaving the building, Robbie is going to smoke. Because Robbie still does smoke. And so he came up to me, and he knew that I wouldn't let him go outside the building to go smoke. So he came up to me, and he said, I need to get out to the car, and I need to get this thing. Now, look, I'm just going to go out to the car. I'm going to get this thing, and I'm going to come right back. I'm not going to go out there and smoke. I, I won't do anything else. I'll just go right there, and I'll come right back. And I said... Go ahead. I trusted him. And he went out. And he got it. And he came back. We saw a change in Robbie to where he was no longer the most mischievous boy. He was a treasure to have. He was beginning to eat up the word. It was beginning to have an effect on him. He was changing. And why? Because God had his side and I had my side. And we both knew what we were supposed to do. And I prayed for his side. And I did what he said to do. And Robbie began to change. And don't you want to hear the good ending that happened on this? Yes. Oh, yeah, you would. I would like to have it too. <laughs> Mom got a um, feather rubber cap about something in church and left the church and took Robbie with her. And I never saw Robbie again. Aww. Yeah, I was disappointed in that too. Because we saw him changing. We saw him going. Problem people are not a problem for God. But they are a problem for you if you don't get the God side working, the man side working. Listen to his wisdom. Do what he says to do. And then pray for God to do what you know God can do in his word. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to read that prophecy for you here today before. Because that is not the God side. And you need to be able to recognize it. You need to know what the God side is. Would you all stand up with me?
We're going a little bit long on this, and we still have communion here to go. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us to understand what our side is, what your side is, to know what you have said in your word. I will do this for you. I will make your path wider. I will strengthen you. I will teach you how to do these things. I will make your enemies this way. You have said certain things in your word that you will do on our behalf. We need to know what those things are and pray for those things to go on because your open door in here is our prayers. And we need to open up that door. So, Father, I thank you that we don't just look at our situations and say, I can't change them. We look at our situations and say, I can change them. Now, here's what I have to do. Here's what God said he will do. And we take it on together and we conquer the problem. We thank you for the help that you give us. We don't have to spend hours in prayer. We just need to see what is it that God said he would do and say, Father God, you said you would do this. Thank you for making my way right here. Thank you for making the path wider. Thank you for working on behind the scenes. Thank you for giving me the, the inroad, the, the thing that I need to know. I appreciate the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated or stand, whichever is more comfortable for you. But our ushers are going to pass the communion elements out to us. On the same night in which Jesus had the foot washing ceremony. <laughs> On the same night, he took the, the cup and the bread, one before dinner and one after dinner. For the purpose of teaching. Again, what's he doing in the, in the last time? The most vital. The most important things he wants them to know. This is what he's dealing with on this last night with them. Just think, if you had your last night, you know this is my last time to see these people. I'll never see them again. I'm going to be going home to be with Jesus. This is the last time you're going to see these people. What would be going through your mind about what you'd want to do? What kind of things would, would, would you be focusing on? This is what Jesus was focusing on on this night. And this is one of the most important things he said to do. And sometimes we do communion. We can do it often enough. We begin to think, ah, it's not a big deal. I kind of have this down. It was such a big deal to Jesus. He said, on the last night I have with you, I'm going to institute this. And I want you to do this on a regular basis so that you do not forget. Because he knew what would happen is we would forget the things that these things were supposed to do. We have the bread and we have the wine or the juice in our case. One represents the blood of Jesus Christ and one represents His body. On His body was put our sickness and disease. His blood has nothing to do with your sickness and disease. Blood of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with sickness and disease. Has no power over sickness and disease. His body does. The Word of God tells us in Isaiah that He was beaten. He was bruised. These were for our our infirmities, for our weaknesses, for our sicknesses. That's what was put upon His body. His blood was to replace the blood of bulls and goats that were used to cover up sin. But His blood was going to wash it away. And the two things He wanted us to know was in His body was put the curse. We don't bear it and we don't give Him any honor or do Him any good by bearing it ourselves. And the blood, there is no works that you need to do to get good enough for God because that's a thing we fall into. Well, I missed it for God, so I'll do this instead. Or we get into mentality, well, this bad thing happened to me. I must have done something wrong. If you get into this, what he was teaching here, you won't have that problem. You won't have that thought. Those things won't come into your, in your way. And he wanted us to be protected from that. So the first thing he did, Paul tells about it in the Corinthians. He said the first thing he did before supper, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this represents my body which is broken for you. 
His body is broken for us. He was beaten. He was bruised for us so that we don't have to be. Sickness and disease, He eradicated it. Doesn't mean that it always is in our bodies. Sometimes we've, we've just like his, his blood covered all sin, but how many know we can still sin? But his blood's there to cover it. His body is there to get rid of the sickness and disease. We put it off on, on him. As we eat together, let's remember, in the night, the last night Jesus had with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. This is my body that was broken for you. Let's eat together. After supper, he took the cup. He said this represents the blood of the new covenant. In the old covenant, we had bulls and goats and things like that. And they covered up sin, but as soon as you sinned again, you needed something else to come in and cover it up. He says, not so now. My blood will wash away sin. And because it's washed away, you can stand in the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can now come on the inside of you. You couldn't do that before. Before they walked into the Holy of Holies where the Holy Spirit resided. And if they were not completely pure, they died. But he said, now the Holy Spirit can come and he can live in you. And he can empower you. And greater works than I did are you going to do because he comes to live in you. And he can only do that because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's drink together and remember what he did for us. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the things we have to remember. The body of Jesus Christ the blood of Jesus Christ, all shed for us. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it. We thank you for the help that we have in this life. There is a man's side to the things that we do, but there's also a God's side. And we're not in this on our own. We're not in this with just what we can accomplish, but our God works behind the scene to do things far more powerful. When a man said, hold the sun still, it did. That's not a something thing we can do. But by asking God, open the door for God to do wonderful things. We thank you for the help that you give us. And this week, find the right way, the way that you have put us on, the way that you make wider, stronger, the way that you supply. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, glory to God. A couple of things before you get out of here. We didn't uh, go anywhere to eat last week. That was our Sunday to do that. So we're going to go ahead and do that on this week. And if you want to head on out with us and go somewhere, you need to go over to a Wendy's or something like, something like that <clears throat> and enjoy some fellowship time together. Um, talk about some things like, you know, feet washing ceremonies and <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, so if you want to do that, just hang on around here. We'll pro- probably just uh, pick a place. You all usually get there before I do and just head on out and, and we'll, uh, we'll meet up over there. Uh, on the church website, it hasn't gone live yet. We're trying to find where we're supposed to get the pointer to. Now we think we got it. We just got to get the right person to, to point it. But you can still, the, direct, the address I give you in the bulletin, that still works. That will take you to the church website. And every, almost every day, I'm updating something on it. I'm going to make a new slide up in there pretty soon. It's going to say what's new. And that new thing will point you to what's there. If you go up there right now, just over the weekend, I put two pictures uh, galleries. One was from Hallelujah Night. If you weren't here for Hallelujah Night, or you were here, you want to see the pictures, go on up there. You can go see it. The other one was from the uh, worship symposium that the uh, worship team went on. They got some pictures up there from that. But then there's some other things you can go up there and, and, and check out and, and, and look at. And we hope you get to, to enjoy that. I put this in your bulletin. I couldn't get it all in there. 
if you have a if you're trying to podcast the stuff from services Wednesday nights or Sundays, and if you have an Android phone and what you have hasn't been working, or you have an iPod and what you have hasn't been working, or whatever whatever device you're having. We have got ways right now we can put the podcast on an Android phone. We can put the podcast on an iPhone. We can put the podcast on a Nook. If you have a Nook, we can put the podcast on a Kindle Fire. So there's a, we're, we're getting into more things. Yeah, we got it on. Uh, hers was my experimental one for the Kindle Fire, and it worked. It worked just fine. We got it all in there and, and going. So if you have some of these devices and you want to be able to have the things downloaded, the podcasting means that you download when you're in a Wi-Fi, a free zone, instead of streaming when you're out there on the road and uh, using up your valuable data, stuff like that. So if you want to have any of that, let me know. I'll provide that with you. It's easier for me to send it to you electronically because then you can just kind of copy and paste and put it there where you need to go. But if you have any of those devices and you want some help with that, just let us know on your, on your way out. We'll be happy to, um, to help you out with that. I think that is about it. Wednesday night we will be here in First Timothy chapter 2. And Tuesday you all will be off voting and in the, in the elections. So uh, nothing else going on over the weekend until next Sunday. So have a great rest of the day. Hope to see some of you. Oh, yeah, I was going to. This was supposed to be the quote that was in the bulletin. And in one of the processes of times, it reverted back to the an old quote. But that was the one I wanted to have in. In their prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven, but getting God's will done on earth. It is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of God's willingness. Yeah, I love that. I was so disappointed when I saw it printed. Oh, that's not the right quote. That was really good. I'm going to put that up on Facebook. So for the two people who go up there and see stuff. <laughs> there's 50 people from the church that are on our, our Facebook page. But, you know, like one or two people ever uh, check off seeing anything. But um, we're going to put that up on there. So if you want to go up there and get it and paste it. But if you go up there, do me a favor. Hit like. Hit comment. Hit something. Share. Just it tells me that, hey, somebody was here. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you see it and you do some stuff with it. And I don't know that anybody was even there. And then I say, ah, I'm not even going to bother with it. So if you, if you want to do stuff like that, it's, a, it's really a great place to go. If you don't want to contact friends, fine. If you want to be antisocial and not be around other people, that's okay. You don't have to use it for that. It's great for ministries, Rick Renner Ministries. Uh, uh, Doug Jones puts all kinds of good stuff up on there. Uh, teachings go up on there. Quotes go up on there. Tony Cook puts all, he almost every day, one or two quotes from Tony Cook comes out from different people that he's listening to. Uh, all kinds of stuff, though, just in ministry areas. You just get on with those guys and, and do that. Plus, you'll be in contact with folks here at the church. We'd love to have, to have you doing that. So we'd like to have, to have more stuff going on there. The information comes right to your phone. You know, as soon as Doug puts something up, I get to, I find out right about it right away. I'm usually one of the first people up there to get up there and, and comment because um, I like getting that kind of stuff from, from these guys. These are guys that are, that are there to put into us, and I want to get what they have. And if you go up there on Facebook today, I'll tell you what, the, the draw for you, you need to get that teaching. That teaching was wonderful by Brother Rick. It was wonderful teaching over at Victory Christian Center. Uh, Sharon Doherty is the pastor over there. And uh, the role of women in the church, it was, it was utterly phenomenal. And he gives you some background on where Paul is coming from and the things that he's writing that you probably have never heard before. But if you don't go on Facebook, you won't find it. I already checked their uh, podcast over at Victory Christian Center. It's not there. They're back, they're back in the September. I tried to get, I was going to get it from there. You got it? Did you pull it down on Facebook? Did you get it actually downloaded? Oh man, I'll tell you what, that'd be really cool if that was happening. I just had to sit there on Facebook and listen to it, but it was, it was dynamite. I cannot recommend highly enough that you go up there and, and uh, check it out. That in itself is worth the subscription 
because it's going to cost you a thousand dollars to subscribe to Facebook. No, actually, it's, it's actually free. <laughs> it's free, but it's worth it's it, just to get these things from ministries. I'll tell you what, it's worth it. Get on up there, check it out. If anyone's going out to to eat, we'll find a place you all can get on out there, get the seats.